I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. If you're enjoying the show, please do share this with a colleague, with a friend, somebody you think would get some value out of this. We're here to share these stories, this information, these organisations that are doing great things to support children. So yes, I really appreciate it. Just spread the word and let's get as many people as possible to join the Education on Far community to really share this creative and inspiring learning. Now today we're going to be talking about the Literacy Lab and I'm joined by Jonathan Hines and Ivan Douglas. Now the Literacy Lab serves children from age three through to grade three and they partner with school districts to help close the literacy gap largely by embedding full-time rigorously trained tutors in early childhood centres and elementary schools. Now the Literacy Lab has appointed Jonathan Hines as the first National Education Ambassador for its Leading Men Fellowship. Now Jonathan, Georgia's first black male pre-K teacher of the year, hopes to inspire other young black men to pursue teaching as a career. This is a fascinating conversation. I really hope you enjoy learning all about the Literacy Lab. Hi, Jonathan and Ivan. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. It's always great to speak to people from around the world. So it's been great to chat to, to our friends over in America. But I think also it's great to sort of have a different lens on some of the topics that we've done. We've covered literacy before, obviously. We've covered the way of community being such an integral part of people being able to take their best step forward. And I think there's a there's a great conversation going to happen today in terms of how some of these things are working hand in hand. So yeah, first of all, thanks very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So Ivan, why don't you start us off and get that sort of little background in terms of the literacy lab and, and, and sort of how you're involved in it. Absolutely. So, um, so as you know, my name is Ivan Douglas. I'm the national director of the literacy labs leading men fellowship and the literacy lab as an organization is a nonprofit organization here in the United States. It started back in 2009 with the goal of trying to close literacy gaps that we knew existed in a lot of our high need communities throughout the country. So it started in Washington, DC at the time, and we work in pre, pre-K classrooms, so preschool classrooms, all the way through third grade. Um, but it wasn't until 2016 that we um, realized that we needed to have a more intentional focus on who was doing the work in the classroom. Um, and that's when we decided to do the Leading Men Fellowship. As you may or may not know, um, the teaching profession is you know, dominated by, mostly by women, mostly by white women. Um, and there are not enough um, men of color that are in classrooms, enough black and Latino men that are in classrooms. And the reason why that's important is because studies are coming out time and time again, showing that students need to see themselves and their teachers. And so in 2016, we had a unique opportunity in DC to start something called the Leading Men Fellowship, where we focus on trying to attract more um, men, black and brown men into classrooms. And we decided to start in preschool classrooms. So we hire young men ages 18 to 24. Um, they're right out of high school, but they don't have a college degree. 
and we place them in preschool classrooms for an entire school year. Um, and the goal is that they are employed, that they're working for a year, but that they really are exposed to a possible career opportunity long-term. And so through 25 to 30 hours a week, as well as mentoring and coaching and advising, they're getting an experience and taste of what it feels to be a teacher in the classroom by tutoring um, preschool children and teaching them the basics of reading. And it really seems to me that's such a win-win, isn't it? Because like you say, you're opening up a profession, you're opening up a door, you're also able to get people into the classroom tomorrow as it were rather than saying this is a great idea and then once everyone's been through college and they've graduated and they've got their placements and all of that kind of thing you know you're making a difference but it's much further down the line and and that ability to make a difference in in the here and now i think that sort of momentum can be really supportive yeah that's that's what really did it for me i'm i'm a, I'm a former high school teacher and i saw that too many um too much of the emphasis was focusing on people graduating from high school and going to college and not thinking about all the people that may not know whether they want to go to college or what they want to do once they get in college or afterwards and here's a program that immediately places someone in the classroom so we're having an immediate impact the um the fellow as we call them is able to see that impact um the children are able to feel that impact as well as the community while fellows decide on what their next steps are. And, and, and that's where I come in, that's where Jonathan comes in, in terms of how do we encourage the young men to think about those next steps and help them see what career pathway is really possible for them. Great, and yeah, we'll dive into that very shortly. So Jonathan, why don't you tell us sort of your role and how you got involved? Okay, so I am a pre-K teacher in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I had the opportunity to partner with Elite Men Fellows by becoming a national brand ambassador. And that role is important because I um, made history by becoming the first African-American male to win Georgia's Pre-K Teacher of the Year. So in that role, I have the opportunity to show the other fellows the end goal. Um, when you start, you can end up in this position that I am right now. So um, the, the, the work just embodies what I'm doing every single day in. I have an opportunity to network and mentor and give back to those fellows that's thinking about this career, but not really sure. So I think my voice is is magnified by um, being in a role, doing the work, and also being able to have the wisdom to share with others. So tell us a bit about your sort of day-to-day -day, um, career, as it were, first of all. All right, so my day-to-day -day, um, is pretty much Monday through Friday, uh, I start off my day at 7 o'clock in the morning, getting, getting the kids in, um, going to breakfast. And then um, after breakfast, we sit down. We have a, a center time where we talk about all the things that's going on in life and things that we can um, become better at as pre-K students. And then the most important part of the day um, is literacy time, circle time, reading time. And that time, the kids get the opportunity to uh, – dive into a book, understand what reading is, understand what an author and an illustrator does, and just really focus on reading because reading is important. And that's why uh, being a part of the Literacy Lab and the Leading Men Fellows, because their focus is on literacy, I think is a great opportunity because I see every day how important it, the need for literacy at an early age and fostering that love for reading in pre-K. And in terms of that sort of mentorship kind of side of it that you mentioned, do you come across the, the feeling that what people thought the job was about and, and what their life would be within a school is, is different than that sort of perception from being sort of one step removed? Yeah, so um, coming into it, a lot of people think, well, you're just in there babysitting, you're not really doing much. But once you really get into the work, you are um, 
a role model the first day. You are a hero the first day because of your presence. Being a black male in a in a pre-K classroom is it's almost like automatic, like, wow, this is a superhero. And those kids that's in those classrooms, they look at you in that way. And just being outside looking in, you don't understand that because you're not in the work. But being in the work and being able to explain the work to others, I can tell you that um, being a pre-K teacher is very important. Being a black male in teaching is very important. And those roles uh, impact lives um, every day. And how did you get into it? What was your kind of routine and that inspiration to, to make this part of your life? Um, a funny story. Honestly, I needed a job. Uh, I, I just needed a job. So I started off as a paraprofessional, which is an assistant teacher in a pre-K classroom. Um, and while I was doing the job, I was like, I like this. I like I enjoy being in the classroom with the students. So I went back to school and I got my master's and became um, the lead teacher's lead teacher after two years. I'm like, okay, this is something that I want to do. This is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. I love being in the classroom and seeing the growth of the students and seeing the impact that I'm making by kids coming into the classroom, not knowing letters, shapes, colors, numbers. And at the end of the year, I can see that they, they have retained this information and know this information is, and they are um, kindergarten ready because of the work that I put into them. Fantastic. And Ivan, take us into... I guess, uh, well, I think what I'm really sort of getting at is the fact that is there kind of a a level or an understanding from that sort of literacy side which is missing and that the, the, the literacy lab kind of helps with that should be there anyway in, in, from that sort of in that sort of standpoint or, or is it is it sort of an, an added level of support? Yeah, it's 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 definitely an added level of support for for all of our, our school partners. Um, what we recognize is that literacy instruction is already happening in classrooms, but some classrooms may need additional interventions more than others. Um, right. And it depends on um, what the background is of our, of our students. Is this the first time in a, in a structured learning environment? What's happening in the community and have they had an opportunity to get access to books, to access to reading resources? Um, and so the literacy lab is specifically dedicated to trying to make sure we close any gaps that may exist in the instructional opportunities that that children have in any school district. Um, so the literacy lab operates in, in nine different regions. The leading men fellowship is in seven. So we're in D.C., we're in Atlanta, we're in Baltimore, we're in Virginia, we're in Milwaukee, we're in Phoenix um, and we're in Cincinnati. Um, and in each of those cities, we see a unique need within the school districts and early learning centers that we're a part of to make sure that we're trying to close those gaps. But at the same time that those gaps exist, we also know there are other gaps that exist. There's teacher shortages that are happening throughout the country right now. There are paraprofessional shortages that are happening right now. So not enough people, I think, are really considering this as a viable career path, um, which is why Jonathan's story is so powerful, because as he says, why did he join? He joined because he needed a job. Um, and that's what a lot of our fellows say, too. They're not quite sure what they want to do next. They know that teaching is an opportunity, um, but do they really see it as an opportunity for them when they haven't seen themselves in their classroom? They may not have themselves had a, a male educator for most of their lives. Um, and so when they see a Jonathan and they hear, hey, I needed a job and I gave this a try and it's working really well and I could be a teacher of the year, then um, some of the guys say, you know what, maybe I should give this a shot. Maybe I should be a fellow for a year and see what happens. Um, and, and, and that's what I think is the spark and the interest is that they hear through my voice, through Jonathan's voice, through a lot of the other men that we have as an organization um, speaking out about the need, 
they're starting to see themselves um, in this role and, and saying yes um, to becoming a fellow. And being a fellow, and in, in that sort of same way as I mentioned to Jonathan about, is the perception of, of what they expect to get from the role and, and their experience very different sort of towards the end when they're able to sort of look back and, and sort of sort of analyze where they've been? Yeah, um, I wish, you know, we unfortunately we weren't able to have a fellow here with us today so you could hear directly and we love lifting up their voices. But I, I can totally lift up a, a few voices that I've heard throughout my years when they say, yeah, when we walked in, we thought, we thought, oh, yeah, we'll be cute. We'll read a couple of books here and there um, and, and maybe the children um, will like us. Um, but by the end of the year, what they see is that they had a direct impact in the lives of, of children, really after the first day. I, I love the stories when fellows start in the first week of school and they say, wow, these kids really like me or they really love me um, and how they're immediately hugging um, a fellow who may not even be used to hugging anyone. And suddenly you have a three year old that's running up to them and waiting to see them every single day. So it absolutely, I think, beats expectations every single time for our fellows. Um, they fall in love with our children. Um, they want to see them succeed. A number of our guys say, hey, I know this was only a year program, but I, can I come back for a second year? How do I stay connected? Um, and that shows us that we're making a difference in the lives of those fellows because they want to come back. They want to see how their children are doing. Um, and so the instant connection, they want it to continue. And uh, Jonathan, tell me about sort of where that sort of mentorship from your point of view stems you know is it just general conversations is it very structured is it um sort of across different regions as we were saying you're sort of in different areas there um yeah so it's really just general com conversations just being open um being able to talk about any topic that that the guys feel like talking about so almost being an open book um going from one region to another region every region is different but just being that open book and taking in any information and pouring out information into the fellows about their everyday life, their struggles, their um, success, just being able to be that ear, but also provide advice. So it's not really structured because being structured kind of make the guys shy away. So just being open and honest and providing whatever feedback that they may need at that time is, is pretty much how, um, how everything works between uh, the fellows and myself. Yeah, and I'll add, um, Mark, that, you know, one of the, I think the secret sauces is the fact that we have these informal conversations with our guys, um, right? Um, that for, uh, Jonathan joined us in, in DC a couple of weeks ago, um, and we, we joined a, a local uh, restaurant where we just sat down with our 20 fellows in, in DC just to have conversations just to say, hey, how are you doing? What's on your mind? What are you thinking about doing next when the fellowship's over? How's your experience been so far? And so we, we call those, those talk times on professional learning groups. And so every week um, for up to two hours each week for the entire school year, we're involved in intentional conversations with our guys to make sure that we're talking about life, that we're um, empowering them with different life skills that they may need to be successful even beyond the fellowship year. And that's a dedicated time that they may not be used to that we think is invaluable because we want to make sure that they are good as a whole person, that they're ready for whatever life um, they may encounter at the end of the fellowship year. And so those professional learning times are where they're learning outside of the classroom. We do the training and the enhancements that they need in order to be successful in the classroom as tutors, but they also need supports to be ready for it for life after the fellowship. Yes. And before, before, before we move on, I just, I just want to, um, 
continue that that topic for a second because as a male being in this space i didn't have those opportunities i didn't have someone that i can go to and talk to that was a male so providing that space for other males is is extremely important and community is important for everyone isn't it and i think like say once you can connect and also feel like you've you've got somewhere where you're you can literally feel part of something above what you're doing like i say it's not just about the job it's not just about the year it's about um being authentic and kind of growing as a group of people with sort of under the umbrella um, of what you're doing and i think that's really really important and i'd also love the fact that it ties in so well with that sense of of like you said just being in the classroom makes you that gives you that sort of superpower like a superhero for doing that the fact that it's not about being formal it's not about what i think people perceive to be being in a, an education environment whatever age that happens to be being very structured and i remember so and so was my teacher and it looked like this 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 and this as soon as it becomes about that human connection it's about this is me this is you this is what we're doing today and of course you know we're learning things and as the adults we, we kind of we're putting that in, the, in our best um, best foot forward as it were but it just means that it just becomes about the excitement, I think, of learning, but I think about living as well. And, and it seems to me that that's, that's, that's an important barrier that you're breaking down as well. Why don't you, why don't you take us a little bit more into that in terms of in sort of your experience? Yeah, I think, I think the storytelling is, is part of our job and, and part, of, part of our work. We have to take away the, um, the idea that, that teaching is something that is not attainable for, for our young people. Um, and the recognition that uh, that a lot of our guys may not have had the best of experiences when they were in school themselves, but because of their unique experiences, they can make a difference in the lives of the children in the classroom. And so that's the story that we try to tell. We also recognize that my story is not the same as Jonathan's story. Um, and there are other men out there that want to um, give back and they want to be in the classroom too. And we have to start telling more of these stories so that fellows can start to see themselves in other men that have either been through it or that are interested in doing it themselves. And so um, part of what we're trying to do, uh, both Jonathan and I, is when we go to different regions together and we have these special events, is that we, we try to speak a little, but we really want to hear the voices of other people in the room. And so we invite um, mentors that are interested in, in pouring back into our fellows. We invite experts in different fields, whether it's financial planning, whether it's the college and career process, we invite other people into the conversation too, so that they too can share their experiences and share their voices and make sure that we're giving back in a really intentional way. Um, but I, I, I totally agree. I think, I think that if we do not do our work, then um, our fellows lose out, our, our children lose out. Um, and that means that we're doing a disservice to everyone. Yeah, and that sense of sort of 360 kind of looking after each other. Look, we're an ecosystem, aren't we? No matter whether you're the child, whether you're the teacher, whether you're an organisation, we're all working together for the, for, the, for the greater good of people's learning and society at large, which I think is the, the really yeah. key thing. Um, Jonathan, in terms of those sort of conversations that you're having, like I said, you've got different people from different backgrounds around the country, but is there sort of a, I don't know, a thread that kind of, brings everyone together is it a kind of a like i said it might just be that they need a job but it might also be that there's, there's something within their personality a, a kind of a, a a sort of a, a human something which is sort of drawing them into this kind of work um i think that common thing or that common goal is they have a love for kids um just having that love for students kind of steer you towards this career even though you are just looking for a job. It's still something there 
in your heart or in your body, like I would like to work with kids. And that push pushes everyone towards that come and go, okay, now I'm here with kids. What can I do with it? How can I expand what I'm already thinking about in this in this field? So when I'm sitting down talking to the different fellows and understanding their passion and their goal and things they would like to accomplish in life, it always come back to the kids and the experiences with the kids. So just having that coming talk, that come and go, um, allow, allows me to dig deeper into their passion and their heart and like what are your next steps and how can we accomplish those next steps so i think that's that's just the common goal in every region that all the fellows really enjoy and love being with kids um in in every aspect of the classroom yeah no that that makes perfect sense and and like i say that just comes across in leaps and bounds doesn't it when you're when you're actually spending time with people like that because there's a there's an energy there which is is something you can't teach it like i say it's that sort of human that that human sense of what you're what you're trying to do um so ivan in terms of sort of going forward what's the what's the plan is it getting more fellows it's different regions it's sort of what's that sort of aim yeah, great question. You know, as I mentioned at the, at the top, we, we, the fellowship started in 2016 just in Washington, D.C. Um, after two years, we expanded into some of our neighboring regions in, in, in Baltimore and in Virginia and Milwaukee. Um, and, and this 22-23 school year is where we made our, our, our biggest expansion, um, going into three new cities in the same year, Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, um, Arizona, and Cincinnati, Ohio. And so right now, the fellowship is 100 and... Um, over 100 fellows that are in the fellowship this year, but by next year, we're forecasting between 150 to 160 fellows. So we're definitely growing within the seven regions that we have. And right now, we want to make sure we get that right. There's a lot of room for growth within each of our seven regions. And so we're not right now looking to um, add on to the additional cities, but we are looking to try to deepen our impact within the regions that we are serving. And so that's that's our goal. We want to make sure we get it right, that we do right by our fellows as well as the students and the classrooms that we're in. And, and we know there's a lot more room for growth and development within those areas. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Once you kind of you have everything in place, you can make much more progress and have more impact much quicker because you'd like to say you're just sort of sort of hardening those sort of faster, <laughs> hardwired kind of ways exactly. of communicating chatting experimenting and that kind of right thing. and recognizing we have a huge alumni community so every year the fellowship may be for one year but we're committed to the success the long-term success of all the men that go through our program and so we're our, our alumni community is growing exponentially we want to make sure that they have the supports that they need are they in college how can we support them through their college pursuits um, how can we support them as as new teachers we have leading men teachers as we call them now people that started as a fellow that became a paraprofessional and now they're fully certified teachers. How can we support that network so that they can also give back to um, first year fellows that are starting in our program? So there's a lot of work even to do within the footprint that we started and we wanna make sure that we're maximizing those opportunities with the young men we've already encountered. And Jonathan, in terms of, of what they're doing from that sort of fellowship idea and, and the tutoring itself. Obviously, we're here talking about the Literacy Lab and, and that particular impact, but is there scope to kind of, or, or sort of what other conversations, what other areas are, are the fellows also able to sort of make that impact and once they're sort of involved in the, in the, in the organization? Yes, and I think that impact is, um, I always tell the fellows, just being present. 
um, being being in the building, being in the space is impactful in itself because, um, like we all know, it's only 2% of all black males across the country that's in education. And we have a program that's catering to black males in pre-K. So just being there, being present, being enjoying the experience with the kids is impactful within itself. But not only that, understanding and learning um, how pre-K works, um, going back to school, going to get your associate and your bachelor's and your master's degree because of the, the work that you're doing. Uh, I think that's the impact that the, the children will have on the fellows, but the fellows have the impact of just being present, understanding that some students come from a family that they don't really get to see a black male or a male at all. Uh, like myself, I work in a building of 1,000 students and I'm a father figure to over a thousand students because I get to see them every single day. Um, I get to show them what a successful black man looks like outside of sports and um, entertainment. And I try to pass that knowledge along to the fellows each and every time I get to speak to them that like be there, understand that these kids need you, that you are important and pouring that message into those fellows. Sometimes uh, at the beginning, they might not really understand because it's their first time in a structured classroom with the students. But as they progress through the year, they understand the message that I was trying to give them on the first week that just being there, uh, just being being someone that they can talk to just being that role model is extremely impactful i have students that uh, come back to my classroom that's in fifth and fourth grade and just want to hug me and give me a five because of the relationship that we built in pre-k and you know like come to my basketball game i'm on the honor roll um just those small things they still want you to be a part of their life because of the impact that you made uh by being in their being in their space in pre-k so it's, it's impactful just to be present. And that's 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 the goal. And that's the thing that I want those people in, in this space to understand that, like, if you are here and you are present, the work will show and the kids will show that by coming back and want to be a part of your life. And they want you to be a part of their life. Yeah. And I'll add to that um, with, with John and I, Jonathan. I totally agree. I think one of the things that is eye opening for a number of our fellows, too, is that they can really pursue a number of their gifts at the same time. And so being present is absolutely important in the classroom. And what else are you bringing as a unique individual into the classroom space that no one else could bring? Um, some of our fellows are, are musicians and they're, they're teaching some of their, their, their children in the classroom how to learn um, music notes and how to start playing instruments. Uh, some of our fellows are artists and they love to draw. And so not only are they reading, but they're doing beautiful paintings and, 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 um, and, and beautiful pictures of some of the stories that they're reading in the classrooms. And so I, I, one of the um, bright spots for me is when I see that fellows are making connections with what they are personally invested in and how they're bringing that unique talent to the classroom. We have another fellow um, that I, I love the fact that he, he knows sign language. And, he, and one of his goals is that he wants to be able to teach sign language. He's teaching letters um, in print and he's teaching it um, through, through sign language. And that's so amazing because that's a unique gift that he has that he's bringing into a preschool classroom. And these children will never forget that as they go into kindergarten and first grade and second grade. And so the impact that they're having is not just literally what they're reading on, in, a, in a textbook or when they're teaching a letter formation in the classroom. It's also that they're, they're bringing their own unique gifts um, to children and exposing them in a way that it may not have happened if that fellow wasn't in that classroom with those children. Yeah, that's really powerful, isn't it? And I think 
I mean, as a as a musician myself, and and I get the honor of sort of teaching one on one, um, in in two or three different schools, and there's something about that relationship that you have because you have the time. There's something about when you're a tutor or something when you sort of have that sort of relationship was just is there and it very quickly gets beyond you know me teaching the drums or you know what particular rhythm we're going to be doing it's much more about the fact that i know you know they've had such and such happening you know the previous week and they want to talk about that as well and they kind of have a confidence in it and like i said that kind of connection above and beyond the sort of the traditional sort of subject that you're teaching there my in in my case music And, and i think I think that sort of authenticity and that kind of um, ability to connect in in whichever way that is that, that there's there's a real power there which I think I think it's probably the theme of the conversation today. It's not something that's taught. It's not something that it's actually something that you have to be doing. It's just who you are, which then makes that connection. And and I, I guess that's the same for all of us, isn't it? With people that we've that we've learned from over the years, whether that's in school or outside of school, it's that kind of ability to to feel like I see you, you see me. And we can, you know, we can grow together, whatever that happens to be. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, our fellows constantly say how they want to know that their, their presence matters. They want to know that they're making an impact for sure, that they're making a difference within their community. Um, and they want to be seen. They want to be heard. Um, and this gives them a unique opportunity to do that in the classroom and also with us as, as mentors, advisors, uh, coaching specialists that are on our team, our program staff members on our team. We're all finding a unique way that we're pouring into the people that we see every day. And that make, that's that's one of the, the things that I have in, in, in this job that I, I, I felt that I was missing in, in some of my, my previous career is that knowing that I'm making a difference, seeing it actually happening um, and, and being able to, to, to do even more the next day. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I'm interested in terms of those fellows that sort of go on and get involved in the profession. Do they kind of come back in at this kind of age group or is it the fact that there's something within the education that's lit them up and, and they there may be further sort of k-12 or, or or sort of beyond that is it the education thing that gets their bug or is it specifically this kind of age group which kind of makes a big a big impact for them yeah it's it's, it's a little bit of all of the above right um some of our, our fellows come through and they're not quite sure they think they like pre-k um but they're not quite sure but they go on to college and and they say yes we want to continue working in in early childhood education they're able to get certified um and get their degrees and, and come back into the preschool classroom we do have some fellows that decide hey i love my experience in pre-k but i think i really want to be in middle school and so we've had some fellows that have gone on to be certified as as paraprofessionals or teachers aid aides and they're now in the middle school environment um, we have we have others that are interested in art as i mentioned art and music and some of the other specialties so they just said i want to be a pe teacher i want to be an art teacher i want to be a musician um, and teach and teach that to, to other children and so it definitely varies. It depends on, on the individual path that our fellows choose. But that's, that's kind of the, the important thing for us as well. There are multiple paths to be successful and there are tons of job opportunities in education. You have to find your gift um, and make sure that you know how to maximize that in, in whatever career choice you choose. And we're, you know, we're happy that we're the bridge builders for them and, and allowing them to see that there are multiple pathways to be successful. Yeah, I really love that. And and Jonathan, I'm I'm interested as someone who's sort of in the school sort of day to day. Is there um a school experience or a teacher that you remember that 
had an impact in terms of maybe how you're showing up now in in, in your sort of day-to-day work and I, sometimes I guess that's that's positive because you think yeah like this really made a you know something which kind of really enhanced what I wanted to do or it might be that you saw the complete opposite and thought that isn't the kind of person I want to be when I'm uh, when I'm sort of dealing with people yes and I'm, I'm glad you you asked that question because just a few days ago I had the opportunity to be a keynote speaker uh, on relationships matter and during that keynote, I talked about uh, how my elementary school years was really just awful because I didn't find a connection with any of the teachers while I was in school. But once I got to middle school, a coach, he helped me change my life and made me understand that, you know, I am important, that, you know, I am heard. I can I can do anything that I put my mind to. So having that connection with that coach changed my life. Um, I went on to high school and graduated in the top 5% of my class. Uh, I went to college on a full sc- basketball scholarship. And I even had the opportunity to go to school and get my master's in elementary education. And all that happened because of a teacher that saw me as a, a human instead of a number or student on a roster and that connected with me. So with that being said, that lesson that I learned from that coach in middle school, I poured back into my students daily. Uh, I try to make sure I build the best relationships with my students. Uh, I try to make sure I understand where they're coming from, uh, that human connection that we speak of, that that relationships are the biggest thing in the world to me because that coach, he built that relationship with me. He made me feel like I can do anything. So I try to carry over that same that same energy with my student. So I go to extracurricular activities. Um, you know, I go to birthday parties. Uh, if my students are sick, I go to the hospital because we, again, relationships matter. And just having that, just having that terrible elementary um, stage and not really want to be in school and not caring to have good grades and um, working on my behavior to going to middle school and having a coach that really just poured into me made me change as a human. Uh, I never thought I would be in um, teaching or education, but since I am and I know what I dislike about school, I try to change that for the students that I have now. I try to pour my dislike to likes into my students. I try to um, I try to make sure that that everything that I'm doing is intentional because I know how impactful um, a first impression of school can be. And if a first impression of school is one of those impressions that you don't want to be in it, uh, it will be a hard journey from K through 12. So that the coach, my middle school coach is the person that, that changed my, my, my life. And I think for me, and I, and I hear this a lot, there's always a person and it's always, um, you put so beautifully there in terms of the person that saw you, the person connected with you as a human gave you that kind of, I think it's just a reconnection with what you know, which I think is why so many people struggle because it's kind of, well, I'm I'm trying to be myself, but it doesn't fit in with the system or so-and-so group of teachers doesn't seem to get me or, or whatever that happens to be. Um, and I think it's really sad when, like say, it, it takes a whole number of years to get to that point where you suddenly think, oh, no, this is what I was looking for. It was this teacher. It was this understanding that kind of gives me that gift. And I think the fact that you're able to do that um, at the age that you're able to do that, that just sets a whole kind of solid foundation for so many children to move 
in a positive direction right out of the gate and that I think then means that every subject that they're learning, their way of learning, their self-esteem, what they believe is possible is so embedded. And we know that these early years are so key for that, that obviously, like I say, the more people that are involved in the program, the more that children are affected by that, that can only be such a positive thing for, well, it must be thousands of children now, I guess. Yeah, I, I um, you know, when I when I hear Jonathan speak, it just is it just, it's just a reminder of why why we're doing the work, right? Yes, we have the technical aspects of reading down packed. This is an evidence-based program. Um, we know the signs of reading. We know that if we follow the, the dots um, that we're gonna lead to, to impact with the children on, on that technical level, but on, on the people first level, on the, on the human side of things, we're building a solid foundation that's gonna allow them to say, yes, we matter. Yes, I can do anything as, as Jonathan said, and that, and that is gonna make sure that they are successful um, and whatever they choose to do next. And, and I think we have to find more opportunities for our children, for our young adults to make those connections um, sooner rather than later so that when life gets difficult, when we um, encounter obstacles, that we, that we have um, the backbone and really to, ma to make it through um, those difficult times and that we can draw upon the experiences that we have from some of our educators, our role models, um, different influences that we have in our lives to get us through. Yeah. Um and Ivan, is there a best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Or indeed, is there a piece of advice maybe you give your your younger self now, sort of looking back? And I guess and I, and I guess that's probably the backbone of some of the conversations that you're, you're having with the people that you're working with. Yeah, you know what immediately comes to my mind when I hear that always is, is don't quit. Don't quit. I think a, a, a lot of times we're, we're faced with adversity and... And the, the easiest thing to do maybe is to walk away or to, uh, to turn around um, or to give up. And, and it's, it's one thing just to say not to quit, but it's, it's another thing to make sure that you have um, policies and procedures and, and people in place to help folks so that they don't have to quit, so that they know that there's another way. Um, and so one of the things that we thought about when we created the fellowship program is making sure that we're removing barriers for, for young men to enter into education. It's not enough for us to just pay them. We wanna make sure we're paying them a decent, a competitive wage so that they um, are not persuaded to go elsewhere, that they can really say, hey, I can really make a living by, by doing this job. So we had to pay an attractive wage and we're paying right now between 1650 to $18, depending on the region in which they live. Um, we also realized that sometimes communication was a problem. They needed to have active phones. They needed to have um, Wi-Fi connections. And so we provide them with an extra stipend to make sure we remove that barrier so that, that we can be in constant communication with them. Um, we also provide them with a, a higher education scholarship because as I'm sure you've heard, um, college is not cheap and it's expensive. So we need to make sure that we don't just say, hey, go to college without providing um, access. So we provide up to $2,500 in, in higher education awards, but that's not enough because college is expensive. We need to have university partners with our organization. We can't do the work alone, but our universities can help us provide more scholarships and more opportunities for our young men. And so one by one, we're trying to make sure that we can't solve all problems, but we can provide wraparound supports to get our guys to the next level so that they don't quit, so that they don't start something and they don't find a way to actually finish it. And so that's my recommendation um, that I, I definitely try to make sure I weave into to my work. Um, and with our other program managers, we have seven program managers, we have associates, we have coaching specialists. We want to make sure that we're aligned with the messaging so that when we hear new barriers um, emerge, homelessness is an issue, um, access to affordable housing is huge with our young men. 
Um, mental health services is also huge. You want to make sure that we're, we're providing access to mental health resources. When we hear these things come up, we have to do our work to make sure we get our guys connected with the help that they need so that they don't quit. And I really think for me, you know, we I think so often we talk here about a silver bullet, you know, it's that kind of, you know, what do we want our education system to look like? What do we want society to look like? How do we get people into different areas of life and support them to be the people that they they want to be? And I think what you've just sort of demonstrated there is that ability to kind of work together, to have solutions, provide what you can, working in um, in tandem with other organizations so that they're able to support, but also give them the opportunity to help others. And, and, and that obviously then gets fed back into the system. And, 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 and that system then looks very different because, you know, just from what you've described today, you know, um, a school and an education system looks very different because you exist than it would do normally because of, of those experiences that Jonathan was saying before, <laughs> you know, different teachers, yeah. different way of being not not as supportive as maybe, maybe it could be, which I think many people can identify with as well. So it's, it's seeing all these things happening in an area, in a way, with an organization, in a situation, and then someone goes, ah, oh, this isn't my particular field of expertise, but the way it's working and what they're trying to do, I can do because I'm in this field or this particular mm -hmm. part of education or whatever it happens to be. And that kind of ripple effect, I think, is is more powerful than you can ever imagine because you can't plan what that's going to be. But I think the conversations really sort of are a great starting point for anything to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. There's there's something unique in all of us that we can, we can give back in many different ways. Um, and, and like there's no silver bullet. But there are tons of pieces to this puzzle and we, we have to work together um, to try to be successful. I think where a lot of organizations and people go wrong is that they try to do too much um, and maybe sometimes doing more than what they're, they're qualified or able to actually do. But um, when we see what our gifts are, when we see we're uniquely positioned to make a difference, we have to find better ways to, um, to partner with each other to, to get to that end goal. Yeah, for sure. So, Jonathan, as we start to wrap up, if there's a takeaway you'd like someone listening to to kind of think about or to action on what, what would that be uh, my takeaway today will be follow your heart and i say follow your heart because um i had different opportunities different jobs different experiences but my heart was here in pre-k and it's the reason i'm still in pre-k because i'm passionate about it um, i care about it i care about the future i care about the next generation of students because I know they are going to be the next leaders and the doctors and lawyers and teachers. So that that will be my the biggest takeaway for me is follow your heart because your heart will create room and space for you to grow. And, um, and when times get difficult, you won't leave because it's your true passion. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and what about you, Ivan? What would your takeaway be? And also make sure that we uh, everyone knows exactly where they can they can go to find out more information as well. Yeah, I think my, my main takeaway is for people to know that that they um, they as an individual, them, them as a person, that they matter, um, that their voice is needed. Uh, we want to amplify and empower the, you know, the voices of, of our young people to make a difference in their communities. And that can be an immediate impact um, by serving as as a literacy tutor in a classroom. Um, and they could have a long term impact by choosing to take a career in, in education. And so um, definitely for people that want to find out more about our organization and about our program, they can visit our website, theliteracylab.org. So that's www.theliteracylab.org. Um, and on that website, they'll see that we have different programmings that are in place 
Um, but our program is the Leading Men Fellowship. And once they go to the Leading Men Fellowship subpage, they'll find out more about our program, more about our seven regions, and they'll find out ways that they could give back to our program or decide to, to spend a year with us as a Leading Men Fellow. Fantastic. Well, both of you, thank you so much for being here and, and, and sharing your wisdom and your experience and your insights. It's um, It always makes me feel like the world's in a in a, in a good place where there are people putting so much positivity into the world, but with action, but with plan, with love and support in terms of the people that are involved. And, and like I said, that sort of community at large from the children through to the fellows, through, through to the, to then the teachers and the society and, and everything that goes with that. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that and, and best of luck in, in, in changing so many people's lives. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Yes. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.